James 5, beginning at verse 7. This is God's holy and infallible word. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you will be condemned. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If you have sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. That's God's word for us this morning. A couple of times our verses talk about the Lord's coming, and that's what really makes this an Advent text. Advent means coming, and we think about Jesus coming on a number of different levels. We think of his first coming that we celebrate at Christmas, just two weeks away. We anticipate his second coming when history ends, and we speak of his coming today too in a real sense through the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And as God's Word said, He rules over all things for the sake of His church. This little book of James, it's considered uh, really the most practical book in the Bible, and that's why a lot of people really like it. It includes that famous verse, faith without works is dead. And so James, who is the brother of Jesus, Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he emphasizes to the church that the Christian faith must result in our living. It must have results in our lives. Students of the Bible have noticed three big themes in the book. A couple of them are in our verses. A calling to be pure and holy in our living, close to God, fleeing the world. Second, calls us to have control of our tongue. He talks about taming the tongue. And three, he talks about helping those in need quite a bit. In our verses, uh, near the end of the book, uh, you kind of saw, you're found along closely, there's a hard to see exactly what's going on. There's almost like a few different themes. And James can be like that. It's really practical wisdom, a little bit like the book of Proverbs. But I think there are a couple key words that, that help us understand the whole book, uh, but also 
give us something pretty exciting as we consider our own lives. And the two words are patience and perseverance. I think James, this is what, I, this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking James might be showing us that these are critical poles to Christian living that we're called to live between. Okay, He calls us to be patient until the Lord's coming in verse 7. Be patient like the farmer waiting for the crop. Be patient in the face of suffering, verse 10. And then in verse 11, he lifts up the perseverance of Job. And he says, those who persevere are blessed. And we have a sense of what these words mean. To be patient involves a quiet waiting. We tell our, our, our son or daughter to be patient. It's usually to calm down. Uh, we kidding, kiddingly have always told our daughters, be patient, Rosie. None of them are named Rosie, but there's a kid's book by that name. If you have little kids, maybe you know it. Be patient, Rosie. Wait your turn. Stop nagging. Be still. Calm down. To persevere is to endure, right? To be steadfast, to stand strong. But I think there's more than that. There's a sense in perseverance, as opposed to patience, of moving forward. In talking about Job's perseverance, uh, James refers to what the Lord finally brought about in Job's life. There's an end. There's a goal somehow implicit in perseverance. Perseverance, it's standing strong, but it's not just standing still. Another clue for how James wants us to see perseverance is at the very, we're near the end of the book, but at the very beginning of the book, chapter 1, verse 4, he says this, perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I think this is is something key to Christian perseverance that James wants us to know. Perseverance must finish its work. And so perseverance involves a doing, a moving forward, an action, work somehow. And so this Advent, as the book of James calls us to live for Jesus, who has come and He is coming, He's showing us that Patience and perseverance are key. There's there's a tension uh, between them in a sense that as we live between the two that I think makes the Christian life a robust life, an exciting life. It's, It's the same dynamic, we get this in Scripture, between this call we have to wait on the Lord, right? Scripture says that. But then the Bible says, fight the good fight too. Well, those are two, there's a little, there's a tension there. We're called to mercy and justice. There's a time to plant, well, and there's a time to sow. We're called to listen, but there's also a time to speak. We're called to just believe, just believe. But we're also called to live for Jesus. Faith and works, both. There's a tension there, but it's a healthy one. It's a biblical one. And it's necessary for balanced living in Jesus. 
James, as Jesus' brother, of course, saw this kind of robust living in faith up close. And he came to know that as his big brother lived and died and rose again, he did that so his people could live robustly, faith-filled lives every day. And I want to show you from our verses the significance of these poles of patience and perseverance and how they might look in our lives every day in terms of our relationship with God, our relationship with others, and then in our own personal heart and life. So first, uh, we see how patience and perseverance create robust Advent living toward God. We see this especially in what James says about prayer. We talk about living in relationship to God. Prayer, our prayer life, is a pretty critical component, right? Prayer is how we, we, our communication with God, our communion with Him. And in prayer, as we think about praying, we see that call to patient living. The psalmist often talks about how we're called to just wait on the Lord. And the Bible says, cast your burdens on Him. We give it over to the Lord. We open our hands, as it were, and sometimes we do that literally in our prayer, in worship, as if to say, I've got nothing. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to Thy cross I cling. I'm empty, Lord. Fill me. Pray if you're in trouble, says James. Pray if you're happy. Give him praise if you're sick. Call the elders. I think we see here a call for the elders of the church to lead the way in prayer, and our elders do that in a great way. I think this also implies that those who need prayer should ask for it. That's, that's one of the reasons you have a district elder, if you're a member here, for prayer. A go-to elder to pray for you. The Bible says if you're sick... Call the elders for prayer. And, and so there's that pole of, of patience. But there's more than that. There's more than just a stillness and a quiet and a waiting in our relationship with God. We read in our text that the prayer of a righteous man, it's powerful and it's effective and we read about Elijah praying, and it's emphasized he prayed earnestly. And so there's this sense of, of action in our activity, in our communion with God too. Uh, prayer is active, it's vigorous, even while it's awaiting. Uh, scripture calls us to pray, but it says pray hard, pray earnestly. There's a Latin phrase, uh, ora et labora, Pray and work, and it comes to us from the rule of St. Benedict, possibly originally out of this passage. The poles for this robust Christian life that we can have, in light of Jesus coming, we pray, we wait on the Lord, we trust in Him as we work, as we serve, as we keep His purpose for each one of us in front of us until Jesus returns. The farmers mentioned as an example of patience in our text, right? Just got to wait for the rains. And likewise, James says we have to wait 
patiently at times, but elsewhere in the Bible, the farmer is an example to us of hard work because, of course, before the farmer prayfully waits, there was plowing, there was planting, working hard, and then leaving it over to him. Both in balance. Patience, perseverance, and I think that's God's design in the time we live between Jesus' comings. Uh, We see that in the prayer for the sick person here too. The elders are called to pray over him, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord, and, and we wonder what's that all about. We don't know for sure what that anointing with oil was, but we do know that one of the best known and most used of ancient medicines was oil. You know, essential oils are kind of the big thing these days, right? Well, going back to ancient times, the healing properties of oils were recognized. And so what might be going on here is that James is talking about praying for a sick person and giving him his medicine. And that's exactly how we live in faith. I've been asking for prayers, you know that. MRIs have revealed what seems to be a slow-growing recurrence of a brain tumor. I'm giving it over to God. It's in His hands. I trust. I'm seeking to trust. Sometimes it's day by day. I'm completely dependent on Him. But you know what? I'm also having surgery tomorrow to remove that tumor. And I asked the doctor... Uh, a month ago, a lot of questions about his analysis and the best course of action. We pray and we work. And, and, and so it seems to me that God works through that dynamic tension of patience and perseverance. And that gives us, it's the kind of vigorous Advent faith that we have as we live before our God. Second, patience and perseverance create robust Advent living with others, with other people. In verse 9, James writes, don't grumble against each other, and it probably refers to complaining. And so we're called to be patient in that sense. Hold your tongue. Don't use it against others. We quite quickly, of course, want our point of view to be heard, especially if our, we want our complaints against someone to be heard. If we got an issue with someone, uh, well, we, we let them know. We let him know it. And sometimes we feel wrong or slighted by others. James is saying, be patient, Rosie. Hold your tongue. And he connects it with Jesus coming. The judge is standing at the door. Well, why can we be patient in light of Jesus coming? Well, because he's the judge. And it reminds us that we're not other people's judge. The Lord is. He's going to make all things right at the end of time. It's not your job or my job to be the judge. And, and so the believer, has a, has a, we have a quiet grace with respect to others in this world and around us. A patience. And we see that in verse 12 too, related to our speech and other people. Let your yes be yes. Be people of your word. Be simple and straightforward trustworthy, let it be. But then in verse 16, James says something else about living with others. Confess your sins to one another. So that's not holding our tongues at all, is it? That's not holding our tongues. There's a time to be silent 
But there's a time to speak too. And, and James envisions a community that, that holds one another accountable in their walk with the Lord on this earth. And, and so here again is the dynamic of Christian living between the poles of patience and perseverance as we live with and as we relate to those around us. And it takes, of course, great wisdom to live in that balance. Think about living with others. I I feel like this applies very well and obviously to parenting. That that patience. If you're a parent, you got a great need for patience. Calm, calmness. You gotta tell yourself, just breathe. But there's also perseverance as a parent. You're you're working toward a goal and a purpose. We we as believers, we have this high vision for our families. Uh, We believe this world is not here by chance, but created by God. And and that so we are made for a purpose. And that purpose is to glorify God, to love Him, to love those around us. And we have the mission of sharing the love of Jesus. And and we want to show our kids that greater purpose too, so that they can have it for themselves. It's not just sort of silently wait and watch our kids. We, we persevere in lovingly showing them and teaching them the purpose of life so that they, that they can have in the Lord. And then, and then we patiently pray that, that they might own that for their very own. And, and so there's this robust living as we relate to those around us. Uh, finally, patience and perseverance can create robust Advent living for yourself. For yourself. I'm thinking about our own hearts, our own lives. And what comes to mind is how we, we mess up in life. We sin. Our thoughts, our words, our deeds, they're less than fully loving. And it's possible to beat ourselves over the head about that. It's possible to really struggle because of our, our sin. Am I a child of God? And we ask, well, if I am a child of God, then why doesn't my life reflect that more? The self-reflective believer can have a wrestling in her soul about these things and their relationship with God. But then, but then we hear Jesus say, Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The Bible tells us the story of Jesus coming to bring that rest through his finished work. And we're invited to come to him, to follow him, to experience rest for our souls and true contentment. God God accepts me just as I am. I'm forgiven. But we also know that God is leading us forward, right? He's making us a new creation. And so there's a holy discontent too in a sense of, of wanting a closer walk with God. And we want to display the fruit of the Spirit in our lives more and more, love and joy and hope and all the rest. We desire that. We pray for that. We've got that purpose. And we talk, we talk about our salvation. We talk about justification being made right with God, just as if I never sinned. It's all God. It's not us. But then, sanctification, becoming more holy. And we talk about that as a partnership. So we strive forward in the Christian life. 
We're living toward the second coming when all things will be made new in our own hearts and lives too. It's a goal that we're striving towards in a sense. We've already experienced salvation, but not yet fully. We're headed towards that day. And so there's this dynamic advent tension for ourselves in our own daily walk, in our hearts, in our souls, in our minds. James talks about suffering, and that's a reality for people in life, especially for children of God, the Bible seems to indicate. James talks about the patience of the prophets in suffering. And he also talks about the perseverance of Job in suffering. This robust faith will see us through the hard times and the challenges too when when we're living, as it were, in the trenches. We rest in Romans 8.28 that God works out all things for the good of those who love Him. But that doesn't mean we understand it all. It doesn't mean it's all easy. Job who experienced that great loss and suffering, he had his questions. He wrestled with God. He asked God about that. And and God is big enough to handle that. And so, this dynamic of patience and perseverance, it happens when we go through hard times too. The life of faith lives in between that quiet trust and dependence on God and a wrestling at times with the Lord. James invites us to see what the Lord finally brought about as Job persevered, and what a great comfort that God brings His servants through. We read He's full of compassion and mercy. This patience and perseverance, I think, is something as basic as when you're looking for a job, right? need the patience, depending on the Lord, the waiting, and the perseverance. You do what you can to go every. This patience and perseverance applies in our lives uh, when you're facing a challenge in, in maybe your, your marriage. That patience, but also the perseverance. It's helpful for me as I think about facing surgery. I do what I can. I had those MRIs, regular checkups. But now I'm going into the surgery fighting. Game on. Let's do this. My mindset is that for my wife and daughters, that I want to be here, I'm going to be here for a long time yet. But then at some point, you got to let it go too, right? And I seek to do that. Rest in all your prayers and care. Have confidence in my surgeon. Trust in the Lord. So this morning, from this text, I just want to invite you, dear friends, I want to encourage you to live your life in terms of your relationship with God, with those around you, in your own soul, in that dynamic of patience and perseverance. And I think in that, there's, there's almost an electricity There's an excitement, a robustness to the Christian faith and to our lives. I think that balance is the way to live day by day. It's the way to live when all is well. It's the way to live when you're going through the valley. 
May God bless us as we receive these, these keys he's given us, and may we live them out with his help. And may you do that.